Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So this is um, this is what I like to think of as season two. Season two, after a very short season one. Yes. The pilot season, if you will. Yeah, the hiatus was almost longer than the season, but we're back again now. I think if we don't say it, people won't notice. Oh, yeah. So we're back anyway, aren't we? We are back, yeah. We're back. We're back. Lots has happened. Lots of things to um, talk about. Lots to chat about. And um, I've missed doing this. Yeah, me too, actually. We've just both been really busy. And I, I suppose we've we've come to the conclusion that that is going to happen sometimes. Yeah. So um, we want to get the universe out as often as possible. And there'll be some times when we just can't and... Sorry about that, but we'll do our best because um, we really enjoy doing it. And it's so nice um, when people send us messages. People we don't know send us messages saying, loving the podcast. Uh, when's the next one out? Yep. I, I'm so grateful to everyone who's been enjoying it and sending their ideas in. So, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm more grateful than Stu, actually. How much more? Where, where are you on the scale? No, no, no. You quantify your gratefulness first. I'm, I'm, if we call yours... X. X, yes. I'm X plus one. X, oh. So that's like almost the same really, isn't it? No, mine's more. If you had to give us the 30 second what's been happening in the universe, <laughs> what would it be? Oh, yes. Go. Imagine, I tell you what, let's okay, do it like yeah. the news at 10. Oh, I'll, right. do the, I'll do the gongs. Okay, you do, the, you do the gongs. And you um, and then you do each one as a headline. Okay. Just quick stuff, is that okay? Uh, yep. Okay, here we go. Okay. Astronomers have discovered gravitational waves. Dong. A strange radio flash from across the universe has um, done something and been demystified. Dong. Another one. God. Um, uh, oh, yes, people think we can get to Mars in three days. Dong. I know how a space toilet works. Ooh, that's exciting. Any more? No. It's that old favourite, that old chestnut. It's becoming almost a regular feature, isn't it? Gravitational waves. And hold on, is it our old friend Lisa, Lisa Pathfinder? Not in this instance, actually. Oh, okay. It's um, it's a completely different uh, ground-based observatory called LIGO. 
That's not as exciting, is it? Uh, it does have massive laser beams in it. You've got me. Yes. <laughs> it all just happened. These signals that we thought were there, these gravitational waves predicted 100 years ago by Albert Einstein, have now definitively been detected. So it is quite, quite extraordinary. I mean, it's genuinely groundbreaking. The story that goes behind it um, is that a number of these um, gravitational wave observatories have been built around the world. They need to measure disturbances. These gravitational waves themselves are about a thousandth the width of an atomic nucleus. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say a human hair. No way. Much smaller than that. Much smaller than that, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) When they turned the equipment on in sort of September of last year, they were just getting ready to begin the final checks and to start taking data. And they'd spent um, about a year upgrading the equipment and so they were all ready and they were hopeful of seeing something you know, within six months or so. Right. Uh, they saw something even before they'd started taking their real science data, a really, really big signal and unexpectedly large, um, it, which is why it was so obvious and, and so soon to be discovered. And in the analysis of this, um, the only thing they can find that really fits this signal that they've seen is the collision of two black holes. And each of the black holes is about 30 times the mass of the sun. And now they're one combined um, black hole about 1.3 billion light years away. So a super black hole. It is a yeah. It's a it's a it's it's a it's a puzzling size for a black hole. It's something that's called an intermediate mass black hole, and we know how black holes of a few times the size of the sun are formed. They come from exploding stars, and then at the centre of every galaxy, you see supermassive black holes, which are millions to billions of times the mass of the sun. But this sort of um, you know, 30 to 100 to 1,000 times the mass of the sun, uh, we know of a few of those kinds of black holes, um, but they're, they're very rare, they seem to be, mm-hmm. and we don't really know um, how, they, how they form. So to see these straight away um, is, is fantastic, actually. It is, as I think I've said before, it's like having a whole new sense with which to um, observe the universe. So we've, we've got sight sussed, you know, you see yeah. the light and all the other radiations. Um, but now to be able to detect these ripples in the space-time continuum, the gravitational waves, it's like adding sound into the mix as well. So uh, the way we look at the universe um, is just going to change completely. I mean, this is, this is Nobel Prize winning territory without question. You do look very excited. I am genuinely excited about this, actually. Yeah, I mean, I ran the, I ran the Guardian's live blog that day and it was just, you know, it was thrilling. There'd been quite a lot of leaks leading up to it, so we pretty much knew what to expect. But even so, just the actual announcement um, itself that, yeah, this was true, the rumours were true, and one of the reasons for the, the, the rumours leaking out is because the scientific collaboration that's worked on, on the LIGO observatory is about a 1,000 scientists. 
So it's, it's pretty hard to keep all of them quiet. <laughs> but the other thing, of course, is that they did it absolutely um, scientifically correctly and they had all their results peer-reviewed by others before they announced them. So, again, it's another route for leaks to happen. But it does mean that everything's been totally checked through. So this one is not going to go away and the signal is just so obvious that it, it's, it's, it's clearly um, a positive detection. I'm going to say something now that might sound, well, stupid. Surely not. I reckon it's possible. What does this discovery mean for us? I know you said about giving us that new sense for understanding the universe, but on a practical level. The honest answer is is it's not clear yet what this could do for us, what this um, will help. We're seeing these minuscule distortions now in this space-time continuum. And the space-time continuum is this mathematical construction that Einstein um, invented with which to understand the universe. It's like a framework. And we just don't know what the reality of the space-time continuum is. We know we can uh, describe it with mathematics, but we don't know what it is. But now that we're actually seeing um, things happening to the space-time continuum, these gravitational waves, maybe the continued study of them will show us uh, or give us clues into what space-time truly is. And that's really where all our progress in fundamental physics reaches the stumbling point. Every time you try to go deeper than the theories we have, one way or another, you always end up just running aground on the fact that you don't know what the space-time continuum actually is is it particles itself is it something else is, you know what 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 is it and so this gives us another route into that if we can understand that obviously every time we've understood something atomic structure for example electronics has given us electronics things like that you know we've always found a way to manipulate it and use it mm-hmm. and so you know understanding the space-time continuum will inevitably lead to us doing new things, new technology, new engineering, that kind of thing. Maybe even all the big science fiction ideas you talk about, uh, you hear about, such as warp drives and anti-gravity and and things like that. You're speechless. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's huge, isn't it? It is huge. I mean, quite literally. Yeah. Well, and very small. And very small. Tiny. I want to talk about radio waves. Radio waves, yes. And I know that you've had an article in The Guardian recently, haven't you? What is this story about? Well, this story story really is um, quite interesting. Uh, It began over 10 years ago when an astronomer called Duncan Lorimer noticed in some data from a radio telescope in Australia, the Parkes 64-metre dish, uh, he noticed that there were these incredibly strong, really powerful blasts of radio waves, but that they lasted um, for a very short period of time, I mean, a millisecond or something like that. And he was just looking through archive data 
just to see what he could see. But this sort of stood out head and shoulders, this one signal above everything else. And so he drew attention to it and other people started looking. Uh, and since and since about 2001, um, we have only detected 17 of these bursts. And they get called the fast radio bursts. They have been... Who com- came up with that? Just... Just genius. One of the local talents. <laughs> yeah. Slow down, boffins. <laughs> you're going to, honestly, you're going to burn out if you carry on at this speed. At, at, at that level. Yeah. Uh, so, and, so 17 of them. Yep, yeah, just 17. When you say 17 bursts, so how long did these bursts last? Was it just one single one each time? Yeah, just? one single one each time for a millisecond or so. And that, that counts as one of the 17 bursts? Yes. Yes. And there were 17 of these since when? Since about 2001. Most of them were detected also by the Parkes radio um, telescope, which made some people think that perhaps it was something that was peculiar to the, to the antenna, that it was a fault or something like that. Or a wallaby. Well, in fact, when they went looking, they found other um, radio bursts in the Parkes data that looked like they might be these fast radio bursts. And so they, but then there were many, many more of them. Um, they called them, uh, oh, what is it? They gave them a, a, a rather strange name, peritons. I don't know why they called them that. It's not obvious, like fast radio burst. They discovered that these ones came from. Came when they heated up their lunch in the local in the microwave ovens. <laughs> and, and if if they opened the door before the clock had ticked and uh, the magnetron had stopped, as they opened the door, a little burst of microwaves affected you know hit the dish, and uh, and and made a spike that looked like it was some kind of massive interstellar catastrophe. <laughs> Okay, so is it possible that someone has had scrambled egg 17 times since 2001? Well, like an alien in a distant galaxy has has, has made scrambled egg. Or a wallaby. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. <laughs> no. The majority of the fast radio bursts were just seen in archive data. But 
Then they saw another one with a different telescope, so proving that these are real things. And they managed to sort of rig up alert systems so that when the telescopes um, picked one up, it would it would send out an, an an email or a text to astronomers and other observatories around the world, and they could instantly sort of try and locate it on you know and see what what was there. The result that was published this week was of the seventeenth burst, which had been localized. Other telescopes had pinpointed it and found that it was in a distant galaxy. And then more than that, another radio telescope had been able to see a really faint radio glow that persisted for about six days after this initial big burst mm-hmm. of radio. Um, and that that looks very similar, in fact, to the kind of signal that you get from uh, colliding um, neutron stars and black holes, so tiny dead stars. Uh, these are not the gravitational waves. These are electromagnetic rays that, that come out. But it makes it look very much like these fast radio bursts come from these colliding dead stars. But the important thing, one of the key characteristics about the fast radio bursts is that as they travel through space and they come, this particular one came colossal distance, about 6 billion light years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as it passes through space... The, the the gas and the matter that it passes through separates the frequencies. It's rather like light um, gets separated into colours when it goes through a prism. prism. Yeah. So the fact that they'd seen the galaxy that this thing was in meant that they could measure the distance to it, which is how they got the six billion light years. And that means that they can calculate the amount of matter that it's passed through um, in order to have its frequencies separated in the way that they observe it. And that gives them a way to measure the amount of mass in that line of sight in the universe. So as we progress to finding more and more of these fast radio bursts and doing this with them, we'll be able to weigh the universe. This is what I reckon happened in Australia. Hey, uh, Mike. Yeah. Mike, can you uh, come over here for a moment? Yeah, what's what's that? Glenn? It's probably called Glenn. Uh, have a look at that. What do you see on that piece of paper there? It looks like a, a, a very uh, minuscule, very short radio burst, yeah. I'll tell you what, Mike, yes, Glenn? I reckon we can use that to weigh the universe. <laughs> How's that happen? That, that is exactly <laughs> how it happened um, with just two minor inconsistencies with the truth. He's <laughs> oh, blasted wallaby. He's <laughs> opened the microwave before it's finished. You'll probably see that appear on the graph. <laughs> I'm leaving you, Glenn. That's we've gone into soap territory. We, we are doing more of these recreations <laughs> for definite. You. Can I get to Mars in three days? <laughs> no. Well, why is everyone telling me I can? I mean, not me specifically. Yeah, this is. Um, this is. I mean, this is interesting. So, light has pressure. 
the Japanese actually have done this. They um, unfurled a great big silver sail in space, like the inside of a crisp packet, really, but ginormous, and sailed on the the, the pressure of the sunlight to Venus. Yeah, you heard that correctly. When did this happen? A couple of years ago. What do you mean sailed? So so the light um, exerts a pressure. So it's just like, like the wind, really. Um, so you could sail on the wind here on Earth. You can sail on the pressure of sunlight in space. And these, these are what we call um, solar sails. <laughs> That's true. Hey, Mike. No. <laughs> I've got this, uh, I've got this, uh, I suppose you'd call it a sail that's just riding on solar. That's it. Any idea for a name? Yeah. Sorry. you got to do it in bunny ears. Yeah. I think we should call it solar sails. Solar sails. I like it. I'm leaving you, Glenn. <laughs> Enough of that. Sorry. So solar sails, and that went to Venus. Yeah, yeah. So the idea sort of really is that, uh, if if you can do that with sunlight, well, lasers are ultra-concentrated light, mm. so they'll give you um, a bigger push. And, um, yeah, there's, there's there's been some calculations that perhaps you could rig up a, a a laser sort of photonic propulsion or something like that and and perhaps get to Mars in, um, you know, days rather than months. Like um, surfing on a wave. A little bit like that, yeah, but more like... Sailing, as the name implies, um, on on light, yes, as the name also implies. <laughs> Don't okay. include that bit, John. It makes us sound stupid. You made a rash promise oh, in our last podcast, didn't you? Yes, yeah, I did. What was that promise? That was to find out how a space toilet exactly worked. Have you discovered how a space toilet works? I have. So you need some form of vacuum device. To suck? Uh, Yes. Okay. I am now going to read you verbatim Mm -hmm. a paragraph from Wikipedia. The male urine receptacle is a plastic funnel two to three inches in width and about four inches deep. A male astronaut urinates directly into the funnel from a distance of two or three inches away. The female funnel is oval and is two inches by four inches wide at the rim. Near the funnel's rim are small holes or slits that allow air movement to prevent excessive suction. If I was on that space station, I'm not sure I'd be able to go. No. I couldn't be doing it if there's a vacuum going. (laughs) (laughs) That wouldn't help. Should we do a quick... Big fat galactic liar. Yes, I'm so excited about this. Although, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like I don't, what's the current score? Uh, is it three one? It's, it's something like that. Yeah, my batting average is not really very good on this one. So, yeah. um, so here we go. And I can see you're trying to psych me out with cricket references. So, uh, 
I'm going to try and You're bowl running. you a googly. He's running scared, ladies and gentlemen. He's <laughs> running scared with analogies neither of us know or understand. <laughs> okay, so here they come. Big fat galactic liar. Actually, you usually do the um, introduction. That's right, I don't mind. No, 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 you do it. Big fat galactic liar. Fact number one. Astronomers see a star explode somewhere in the universe every minute. Star explode every minute. Fact number two. The largest volcano in the known universe is on Mars, one of the smallest planets. And big fat galactic liar. Fact number three. It is colder at our moon's south pole than it is on the surface of Pluto. Wow. Okay, so fact number one is um, an astronomer, not presumably not the same one, sees a star explode every minute. Correct. There are a lot of stars out there. I know that to be true. There are a lot of astronomers out there. I know that also to be true. Um... I, I think that sounds quite. I think that sounds quite plausible at the moment. Largest volcano in the known um, universe is on Mars, one of the smallest planets. That sounds plausible to me because it's a it's a rocky planet, isn't it? And so you know there absolutely could be a volcano there. Like one of these big gassy giants. Correct. Yep. That's which, by the way, I could have been described as on Wednesday evening. A gassy giant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, terrible. Yeah, I've witnessed this a couple of times. I didn't. I don't even know what I ate. <laughs> well, I Just everything. Over. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Yeah, I did eat everything. I don't know why I'm not losing weight. <laughs> I'm leaving you, Glenn. No. Um, so that. So I'm trying to think. Where else could you see? Um, there are other planets that are there other planets that aren't that are rocky yeah Pluto must be rocky is it yeah a bit rocky I see then you've got um, Venus as well and you've got Mercury uh, as well and of course the Earth of course all our volcanoes you know on the Earth right so I'm starting to think maybe that one isn't as plausible but let me deal with big fat galactic liar um, fact number three the moon South Pole is colder than Pluto. Right. Now, I think that's possible because presumably the South Pole is the one that never, ever sees sunlight. Ever. It's always the dark side of the moon. Tough. And Get you and your Pink Floyd references. Yeah, well. mm, comfortably numb. Is that Pink Floyd? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know any others, so I won't, I won't attempt any. Um, now, I reckon that is plausible because it's not like there's an atmosphere to trap in heat. So I think... I think because it never, ever sees the sun, I suppose it might get a bit of bounce back from... Other things, but they're quite far away. So I reckon I'm going to say 
this episode's lie is number two. I reckon there's a bigger volcano that we know of elsewhere. I reckon it could even be here on Earth. Could you reveal the answer? I could. Yeah. What now? Sometime. Whenever you're ready. Don't rush it. <laughs> um, this week's big fat galactic liar um, is in fact number one. Oh. Okay. It's. Can I de- let me describe Stu's face in this moment of victory? Imagine a child that's just been told that not only are they going to Disneyland Paris or Euro Disney, whatever it's called, Disneyland Paris, but their parents have just bought them Disneyland Paris <laughs> and are bringing it over and sticking it just outside Harlow. And only one person's allowed in and it's that child. So what's the truth then? If they don't see one explode every minute, how often? Every day. Oh. That's still quite a lot, isn't it? It's still quite a lot. Yeah, it's about one star explodes somewhere in the universe that we detect um, about every day. The largest volcano um, is indeed on Mars, and it's called Olympus Mons. Mm-hmm. So, Good old uh, Olympus Mons, and um, presumably not, not terribly active. No, uh, so we would think it is it, it, it is extinct. Um, there is the tiny, tiniest chance. Um, that it could just be dormant. Uh-huh. And yet your reasoning was exactly right for why it's um, uh, colder at the moon's south pole than at Pluto, because Pluto's surface sees the sun, yeah, yeah. but just from, a, admittedly, from an extremely long way away. Um, but there are uh, crater floors at the moon's south pole. Uh, there's one called Shackleton Crater. Uh, and they... Uh, probably never seen the sun huh. so it's as, it's as cold as really as it can possibly be though so um, would it be a good place to keep the beer that's another universe it's done done yeah. dusted put on the shelf yeah so this episode has been edited by John Shearer who also provides some of the music for our podcast so thanks John As ever, if you've got something you'd like to say to us or a question to ask, you can tweet us. You can tweet me at I'm Marco Sullivan, or one word, no apostrophes, or him. Or him. You. (laughs) At Dr. Stu Clark, D-R-S-T-U-C-L-A-R-K. Yeah, so you can send us a message and we'll happily try and answer any questions. Thanks so much for listening. Keep on telling people about it and um, we will speak to you again. Very, your turn. Very soon. Bye. Bye bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.